Welcome to the Data Diaries podcast and this special series on leading through the COVID-19 crisis for visitor attractions executives with your host, Angie Judge, Chief Executive of Dexhibit, Big Data Analytics for Visitor Attractions. On today's episode of the Data Diaries, I'm joined by Jenny Harper, who spent 11 and a half years as Director of Christchurch Art Gallery. And 10 years ago, the city of Christchurch in New Zealand was devastated by a 6.2 magnitude earthquake and it severely damaged buildings and infrastructure um, and took lives as well. And in March of uh, last year, um, a gunman also attacked a couple of Christchurch mosques um, killing 51 and injuring 49, and, and so it's been a, it's been a dif- difficult decade in Christchurch. And Jenny has led the Christchurch Art Gallery team through um, many years of these uh, hard events, and we're really grateful to have her share her experience as we all go into uh, the COVID-19 crisis, which is very different in its own right, isn't it, Jenny? But um, yeah. I'm sure full of the same life, life lessons at the same time. Christchurch has had a bad time of it, certainly, but... In a sense, it's probably built a resilience, which is good. And we've had a little bit of practice. And because of that, I think we've, we've mm. got a sense of reality that is, e- is easier after several incidents of different types. And I think also we've become a better community. We know our neighbours better and seem to have managed to pull through so far. Yeah, I think we use a phrase in New Zealand, kia kaha, which means to be strong. And it feels like a piece of that phrase belongs to Christchurch because it's something we all associate with Christchurch, I think. Right. Mm. At the time of the earthquakes, the the gallery was literally in the middle of it all um, being used as civil defence headquarters for seven months. How did that come to be? Well, uh, it happened. We We had two earthquakes that closed us for a bit, uh, one in September in 2010, and then um, another much worse one, or centred in Christchurch in February 2011. What happened in 2010, the the city council, which uh, effectively has responsibility for the gallery, and pays for it largely. It uh, happened to be moving to a new building which was just over the road from us and they had, were just in the process of moving. They haven't, didn't really know where their um, light switches were or anything and they looked across the road and saw um, our cleaners at work. This was an early morning incident and saw the lights on at the gallery and decided to come over and take us over. So they did that and they were there for about 10 days, just just council workers at this stage. Um, And they uh, just took over some of the galleries and set up desks and we didn't even have Wi-Fi at that stage. They installed it in the gallery, Uh, but because we were part of council and we were over the road early in the morning when they um, needed to know where to go, um, it seemed like a good option. So then several months later, they, that, that was only about 10 days, I think, and we, we sent them notes saying, you know, 
they, or they sent us notes saying thanks for having us and things. It was quite funny, really. And we were a bit cross because they took the Wi-Fi out. <laughs> and um, anyway, I think because they had been there, it, it was the obvious option for them when the bigger earthquake struck in February and the gallery was looking good. I mean, there was one, we've got a glass fronted facade, as you know, and there was only mm, one. Remember off the news. Mm. One pane of glass cracked. And wow. so the gallery survived really well. So almost immediately, that one was at lunchtime, and almost immediately the city council staff thought, well, our drill is to go over the road to the gallery. <laughs> and so they did. And they were there for seven months this time, which was a long time. Those are some long-standing visitors. And, and so um, what about the gallery itself? Did you have business continuity plans going into all of that? Or um, did you sort of find yourself writing that as you went? I don't think we did have a business continuity plan, but we certainly developed one during that period of closure. And it's a really good one, I think. So. Um, that's something we might like to talk about. But um, what we, we had exhibitions on. We'd just opened a couple of exhibitions and people from the council were, were just moving in and setting up desks, this time with Wi-Fi, which stayed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so we've got photographs of people working in the midst of a Van der Velden exhibition and round somewhere else and the paintings were on display. So one of our early tasks really was to um, ensure the, the safety of the painting. So slowly we had to work behind people and take things down and take them to storage, which was still upstairs, you see. And uh, we hadn't in, in fact, the council took over two floors in the end, and we had lots of people visiting us from the city because we became the place to go, uh, right on the edge of the red zone. Uh, and so it was the place everywhere, everyone came to visit the council, basically. But uh, we managed, that. I think they didn't realize there was a third floor in the building and we managed to relocate ourselves up there into funny little spaces, um, along with some extra storage and a few, a few um, offices up on that level. So in fact, we never had, we, we didn't have nowhere to work. We weren't working from home straight away, although quite a number of our staff had damaged houses. And that was difficult. It was difficult for them, I'm absolutely sure, to um, go home after work and, and have to deal with their families and, and um, children. At first, quite a few of them stayed home for that. Uh, we, we were um, quite conscious not to lay off too many staff. I wanted uh, no matter how long it lasted, I wanted there to be a good core staff, and I wanted it to be—I uh, wanted it to be a range of people right through. So, from um, I suppose—I mean, there was no show that I was going to get uh, 
taken off, but uh, that we we wanted it to be right down to the visitor hosts and keep um, keep a good uh, skeleton show. We did have to lay off conservators because we couldn't, after we packed up the um, the collection and storage, we couldn't provide them with access to storage. And we did have to lay off some people. Um, and I found that really hard, but people understood the reasons. And what we did then was start to rent a few spaces in the city when, when we were able to go back there and show contemporary art in those spaces. So that, that's how the visitor hosts kept working. So we had a, a number of spaces which we showed art in, as well as the city. We decided just to work in what we called outer spaces. And so we invited artists to make work, especially for these outer spaces. It might be a video in a building, in a window of a building, or it might have been um, something more like, um, a, well, we, we had, um, Wayne Yule do a really wonderful um, uh, painting on the side of a building, which actually survived a long time before it was it was um, tagged and things. It was really amazing. So it was like that all through Christchurch, wasn't it? In those early days, the city, um, for those out there listening from overseas, the city was um, devastated in terms of its structures and. Um, but it be also became uh, almost a piece of art in many cases. There was beautiful memorials everywhere and, and people creating things. And I'm, I'm curious, Jenny, um, how did the public's needs change when they were going through this, um, such, a, such a human emotional event? Of course, the art gallery was closed, but uh, we were, I don't know what the public needed, but we needed to keep talking about art and we wanted to communicate. Mm. Um, we looked at our mission statement and it never mentioned a building. It said, we're here to uh, bring artists together with art and to you know excite people and things like that. So uh, it was quite interesting. I said, well, look here, it doesn't even mention a building. So we've got this mission, even if we don't have a building, let's keep going. And That's so such an important message right now because everybody around the world is shut. They don't, they don't have that building and it's, it's amazing that it's part of the mission, yeah. We do, well, yes, I wish I had it in front of me, I'm sorry, but um, it, was a it was a brilliant mission, the more I think about it. And it's, um, it's, it just gave us that real strength to carry on even though we didn't have a building. We always had somewhere where we could meet um, and we had we, we rented, the council made available some other spaces for us to uh, meet as staff and work as staff. So um, we moved quite a lot, but the main thing was keeping art at the heart of the city as much as we could. And we used to blog every day. We thought this was terrific and very advanced. <laughs> and we uh, published uh, our collection in the local uh, newspaper, the press. 
um, I spoke with the editor and we got uh, her permission to to have a weekly or fortnightly column, I think weekly at first and then fortnightly. And, you know, so we were, we were putting our collection out there. We spent a lot of time doing back of house things as well during that first seven months and photographing the collection, making sure we had up-to-date details, um, scanning things, uh, working on a plan for disasters, doing all sorts. We, we made a list of things and, and carried on doing them. And it was, a, it was an amazing time. We were very close, I think, as a group and, um, and became closer. And of course, those who had children became what we called the gallery kids. And, <laughs> and even now, this term survives. I know one of my uh, best friend's little boys was a big uh, Christchurch Art Gallery fan and grew up his early days in those uh, post-earthquake years. And I think um, when I think back to him, I think, you know, that that experience really helped him deal with what was in front of him. And there's probably lots of children out there who are part of museum families or, or the general public who need the same thing right now as they're growing up in a scary world. That's right. And I mean, I'm, I've been very impressed over this uh, COVID-19 at the, at the galleries and museums of the world and how much they are putting up there in terms of um, publicity, but, but uh, just good, interesting things, um, items about them, news items and people dressing up, pretending they're the art. I, I love the Metropolitans. One, you know, if you can't see, if you, if you, um, YA, if you can't see the art, be the art. Yeah, that was fantastic. There's some great pictures. Yes, and Christchurch Art Gallery started doing that as well, which is, and it produced some amazing ones. And so I think the online presence now has really become so much easier and more standard than it probably was 10 years ago, that's for sure. So after the earthquakes, you had a very extensive refurbishment and didn't end up reopening until a few years later. What was the city's reception like when that moment came? It was amazing, but it wasn't, it wasn't an extensive refurbishment as such. Um, so what we did was decided that having had this earthquake, we simply would not be able to borrow works from other museums in Australia or internationally, um, England, US, unless we had base isolation. The building was even better than the normal standards. So we, we needed to have our building better than it was. And we decided and the council agreed to retrospectively base isolate our museum our gallery and so that's what took the time it was work underground under in the car park and you can still go down there now and see the base isolators and see what was done we had a wonderful team of um, Japanese experts all looking extremely good when they came to work really neat little suits and with a bank of televisions and raising the building 
up to one millimeter at a time in one corner and then inserting the base isolators. So it was magic, it was amazing to watch, really. I mean, I, I learned a whole lot about engineering that I'd never known before. And did and that help with visitors not being fearful of coming in the building? We were definitely, definitely helped. And uh, we, knew, we knew after this that the building was way better than code. You know, it was much better. Mm. And in retrospect, it's something that really should have been done at the beginning. But Wellington had the earthquakes, we thought. <laughs> and, you know, whereas Te Papa has got base isolation, it was, it was deemed not quite essential at the time that the gallery was built in 2003. But we're very pleased to have it now and the building's very, very secure, and it's possible to borrow works, which is a big part of what a gallery does. Mm. And I'm sure it's gonna be a problem at the moment with reduced travel lines and people not being sure about touch um, when it comes to uh, either traveling exhibitions or borrowing works, it's, that's gonna be a logistical nightmare for the industry. Us all, everyone back on their, um, on the back to basics, I would say, they'll be needing much more to show their own collections and, show, and create shows out of those. And um, it'll take a long while, I suspect, for things to get back to how they were, if they ever do. I don't mm. know. Um, I don't know. Anyway, to come back to the day we reopened, which was absolutely incredible. <laughs> We um, we had we had a um, a staff and their families photograph on the big staircase in our um, in our gallery at nine o'clock in the morning. So everyone brought their significant others, and a couple of mothers came, and um, the children came and we all posed on the gallery stairs and the photographer took a photo. I think he set it on, you know, time exposure so that he could jump into the photograph with his family. And Gorgeous. we took an amazing group photograph, which was really, really important thing to do, I think. And, and then at 10 o'clock, we were all there, the whole the whole team and our families welcoming the first visitors. At and this is, this is something that we can all look forward to. I mean, you know, it's all very doom and gloom now, but we do have this amazing moment ahead of us at some point in the future. And it sounds like it's, it's one that we need to celebrate when we get there rather than just sort of quietly reopen in a way. I, I thought, I mean, it was because we when we, when we started uh, working from two or three different sites, sometimes with staff where the exhibitions were or sometimes we were somewhere else, I started a, um, a weekly uh, email to all the staff uh, talking about what had gone on and, and giving congratulations and noting things that had happened. So. I always used to ask at management, our management meetings for who'd, who'd done something really well. And, and it was an easy thing to do, a, a sort of email about summarizing the week 
and thanking particular staff for particular things. And I think that was really encouraging. And actually, I kept it up after we reopened. It was something that people didn't want stopped. So that was a really nice, simple thing to do. Um, and we'd note people's birthdays or whatever on that. And there might be some photographs of something happening or uh, someone talking about what they'd done. But it was a really good uh, way to just keep everyone feeling together. But that amazing first morning when we had the whole staff and their families there and we clapped the first people who came in and they clapped us. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> it was extraordinary. There was a nice queue that formed outside and in they came and I went to the top of the stairs and was just, um, all, I was in, I had so many hugs from people I didn't know. It was amazing. <laughs> and um, I live on my own, so I like hugs. <laughs> I imagine there's um, a few people out there listening to this that will be uh, greatly looking forward to that moment in their future. Yes, yes. Well, it is. If, and if you can share it with your staff and their families, that's a really good thing. Mm. I think somehow connecting with people's families is a good even if you're doing it sort of one degree of separation it's just it's good to make staff feel like you're you're concerned not for them uh, only but their families them and their families and how's your renovation going and are you able to go home now and because uh, a lot of people weren't able at first to live in their own homes and that was another source of real concern for some it's so, amazing isn't it a crisis like this that sort of brings you back down to those essentials of life and and those human connections i imagine have persisted for you in the years to follow yes and you know it's i mean we're we're confined to home now we're on home duties i suppose but i just think gosh aren't we lucky we've got homes to be able to go mm. to one of the things I think that's a great deal of source at the, uh, a source of stress at the moment for the industry is the prospect of tourism. I mean, it, it looks pretty bleak at the moment. Um, planes aren't flying and, and we can't really imagine tourists getting travel insurance before the virus is done unless maybe they've already had the virus and, and they're able to test somehow for immunity. Um, can, you, can you take me back to what it was like in Christchurch I mean, there was this this danger at the time, and, and I'm sure that was off-putting to some international tourist markets. I know the Garden City was very popular with Japanese tourists and so forth. How long did that take to recover, and, and did it come back suddenly, or was it very gradual? I think it was gradual, and I think, I think even now, there are quite a few locals, probably not so much tourists. I mean, we're talking as if there are still tourists in Iran, but... Um, even now there are quite a few people who really don't want to come back to the centre because there are symbols, signs and symbols of destruction with the Christchurch Cathedral being the main one of course because it is mm. so um, and so uh, it will take time for tourism to rebound and it is a huge source of income for New Zealand 
it's um, it's very important. And uh, yes, I think the tourism downturn will really hit a lot of people hard. That obviously the hotels and hospitality and uh, industries and restaurants, taxis and all these things you can't you don't think of, but which are severely impacted by a downturn in tourism. I can't see that being very quick at all after this big event. And I know in Christchurch, I mean, there was, you mentioned staff without houses to go home to. Um, and I, I remember a lot, of, a lot of people being without running water and things um, and electricity for a time. And, you know, the, the prospect of, of thousands of aftershocks that were rolling through for a long time afterwards. Um, yeah. And in, I think, you know, this incredible stress and anxious time um, is a real common theme now with COVID-19. Um, people that are, are scared and they may know people that are affected. Um, it may personally affect them. Um, what sorts of things can leaders do right now to try and alleviate that stress for people? Well, I, I, I just think the main thing we can do is keep in touch with our families and friends. And that's so much easier these days um, with, with email and photographs and um, Instagram and things that are just there to help us communicate. Uh, I mean, I've got, I've got uh, a, a, a cousin of whom I'm very fond and, in London in hospital and my niece's husband was in hospital but is now oh, out. I'm sorry to hear that. It's just um, you feel you feel bad for them but I think you, you you just have to remember that the basis of being human is communication and manage it in whatever way you can uh, in the meantime whether it's mm -hmm. telephone or things like zoom um written media i mean i i don't i i really don't know more than just keeping in touch looking after your neighbors um thinking about who would like what and seeing if you can arrange it even um a photograph of it or something <laughs> i mean i i sent i've just started doing instagram about um probably about um, four months ago. And it was because my nephew announced his engagement in, from, in Melbourne on Instagram. And I thought, look, I'm just not keeping up with these, that age group, my nieces and nephews. You're and one I, step ahead of me. <laughs> I've got to get onto it, you see. <laughs> and it, I really like it. It suits me. Um, but I posted... A, a painting that David Hockney, the 82-year-old uh, British painter, who at the moment is holed up in Normandy after where he ha had an exhibition. He normally lives in Los Angeles. But um, he's painted a series of works and there was one that appealed to me. I mean, think Northern Hemisphere and they're just coming out of winter. But uh, he'd painted some daffodils uh, just a very simple line of, of daffodils. I think he might have made them on his iPad, actually. But um, he called the work, So Remember They Can't Cancel Spring. <laughs> uh, 
and it was just so true. Yes, it was just lovely. And I think um, optimistic messages and humour, humour go a long way. Mm. I, lo I, I think we have we have a developed sense of humour, and it's a jolly good thing at this time. When do we start pulling our heads out of crisis mode and start thinking about rebuilding the future, planning and strategy? When did that moment come for you? Well, after the earthquakes, it was it was more tan it was tangible. I think in this case, we'll be we'll kind of be told what what how uh, when we'll be able to relax a little bit more. I think it's with a nationwide and worldwide thing like this, we'll, it'll be something we're kind of given permission to do. But after the earthquakes, um, I mean, we kept wondering if there were going to be more and there were a hell of a lot of aftershocks. It was quite, we'd, we'd just sort of say, oh, there we go again. And um, you did, you sort of got used to them, but they're always a bit, disconcerting uh, but then they they just slowed and I guess we we got on with things and we did come out of this with a jolly well-developed business continuity plan and uh, with a lot of people realizing these things were important and understanding how key their work and their research was into um, their research into the collection and to making it more public and more available was really important for the future. But for times like this, where you want to share things, but you mm. can't invite people in. Still yeah, I really like that idea of, of using the time to put those foundations in place if they're not. Yeah, that's important. And um, I mean, if there's one, if there's one message I could, um, I could, I could say, or one sort of feeling I could impart, it it would be, uh, you know, I mean, as leaders, we can't we can't change who we are, but it's so important that we show our staff that we care. And I mean, I started using the word love and it was, it's a good thing to do. You know, you, you talk about how you love them and how, how pleased you are they're there and you can see them every day. And it's just, a, it's such a simple message, but kind of crucial if, if people understand that, you know, that you're there for them and that you want them to do well and that you love them. It's a good thing. It's beautiful advice to leave everyone with that um, message to love one another and be kind. Thank you. And thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing that wisdom with us. Um, I know it. They're two quite very different circumstances, earthquakes and pandemics, but at the same time, there, there are a lot of similarities. Yes, definitely. So best wishes. Thank you, Jenny, for the wisdom and the inspiration. And if we can leave our listeners with one more thing, 
Jenny and her community fundraised after the earthquake so the gallery could acquire five works that marked the five years of closure. And one of those was a huge neon sign that went on the outside of the building, 29 giant letters, each six feet high in a different color. And it was a sign that the mayor's office looked out upon and the people recovering in hospital. And it read very simply, everything is going to be all right. Kia kaha. This podcast was part of a series on leading in crisis for COVID-19. For more, go to dexhibit.com forward slash COVID-19.